Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Wednesday, February the 7th, 2024, the 28th of Shvat, 5784, coming to you on this beautiful Wednesday from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. I am just outside the walls of the old city here in Jerusalem uh, on February 7th today. We are marking four months since Hamas carried out its brutal massacre against the residents, citizens of the state of Israel, Jews, back on October the 7th. And we also mark the start of the war, known as Operation Swords of Iron, or as I call it, the Simchat Torah War, because they attacked us on our holy day and on the Sabbath, on Shabbat. A war, by the way, which we are winning. Let's make sure everyone everyone understands that. If we keep our foot on the gas pedal, we will win this war. And uh, Hamas, of course, must must release our hostages. And uh, that all can be done. That all can be done if Israel continues full steam ahead. And on that note, let's get to the news. Uh, Times of Israel here reports that last night, in the middle of the night, the IDF struck Gaza's Deir al-Bala neighborhood, uh, killing an Islamic Jihad terrorist who participated in the October 7th massacre. One by one, folks. We will get them all one by one. The IDF revealed that uh, on, um, rather through its spokesperson, as troops continue to battle Hamas terrorists above and below ground in the southern town of Khan Yunis. The IDF also carried out raids in the northern and central parts of Gaza, pressing ahead with its offensive even as a U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, visited the region on a quest to broker a ceasefire in the four-month war. The IDF said that the uh, PIJ operative killed had participated in the attack on kibbutz near Oz, in which almost a quarter of the community was kidnapped or murdered. Uh, Yesterday evening, unfortunately, the IDF announced the death of an officer killed during fighting in northern Gaza. This morning, another soldier, first of all, the name of that soldier was Major David Shakuri, 30 years old, a deputy commander of the Combat Engineering Corps, 601st Battalion from Rehovot. May God avenge his blood. As I was saying this morning, the IDF announced that a soldier who con- who contracted a fungal infection after being seriously wounded in a battle in Gaza has passed away. The Sheba Medical Center reported this uh, this morning. 26-year-old Hanan Drori, a reserve soldier from the community of Psagot, um, died as a result of an RPG attack and then the ensuing uh, fungal infection. May God avenge his blood again. Hanan Drori, and all of the uh, 227 uh, soldiers who have died, heroes who have died in battle since the beginning of the war. Uh, From what I heard uh, last night on Channel 14, Israel is in fact on the verge of a uh, total victory against Hamas in the town of Khan Yunis. I hope that is accurate. And then it's on to uh, Rafa or Rafiach, perhaps the last Hamas stronghold. But there still are remnants of terror activity popping up in other parts of Gaza as well, uh, which much, with, which rather must be dealt with in the north, in the center, uh, 
And, of course, in the south, all parts of Gaza must be Hamas-free. And Egypt still hasn't, but they should be opening their border for anybody who wants to get out. Uh, that still has not happened. Uh, JNS added that Israeli forces seized cash and financial documents from an underground compound in Khan Yunus, showing direct Iranian financial support for Hamas. The IDF disclosed on Tuesday night. Um, spokesperson for the IDF said, we found official documents from 2020 detailing the funds transferred by Iran to Hamas between the years 2014 and 2020 and to Hamas leader uh, Sinwar. More than $150 million transferred from Iran to Hamas. This according to IDF spokesperson um, Daniel Hagari. So Iran... Funding Hamas, when it comes to Israel, doesn't matter who's a Sunni, who's a Shia, doesn't matter what the situation is. They put all their differences aside when it comes to fighting against the Jewish state with the goal of destroying Israel and throwing all the Jews into the sea. Uh, moving on here, Israel Hayom reported that the U.S. has made an unusual request ahead of U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's visit to Israel. Um, now, I don't know. I think this report came out this morning. From what I understand, Blinken is actually here, um, the Secretary of State. According to information obtained exclusively by Israel Hayom, the request was that the top U.S. diplomat receive a separate briefing with IDF Chief of Staff Herzl Halevi without Israeli cabinet ministers present. However, the Prime Minister's office rebuffed that idea, Prime Minister Netanyahu's office, and said that Blinken will receive the security briefing the same as previous visits with Israel's war cabinet. A, re a request from a senior foreign official for a one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one meeting with the IDF chief of staff in the middle of a war is rare, even when coming from the U.S. In response to an inquiry by Israel Ayom, the prime minister's office stated the meeting will take place as usual as part of the meeting with the prime minister. State Department did not respond for comment. Again, Blinken, who has been, I think, what is this, his fifth trip to the Middle East, I think landed here today after visiting Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Uh, according to Israel Ayom, according uh, against, rather, the backdrop of American efforts to seal another hostage deal and a ceasefire and pave the way for a normalization process that includes the recognition of a so-called Palestinian state. Number one, I ask, what is his goal in asking for a private meeting with the IDF chief of staff? Is he, go is he going to try and persuade the IDF to back down from Hamas, uh, end the war, uh, and so forth, without our government involved? Is that his goal? Why would he ask for a separate meeting? What's with the secret meeting? And at the same time, this whole concept and obsession about going back to talk of a so-called two-state solution um, is it's really, you know, a political ploy, we know, to get votes in the United States at the expense of Israel, at the expense of our well-being and security. People who don't like President Trump, who's now running for office again and threatening to stay home in November and not vote for Biden, uh, those are the ones who are being targeted here as, uh, as part of this campaign to force Israel to make concessions.
We're talking about Muslims in key states like Michigan who are upset by the war in Gaza. They don't like the fact that the U.S. is providing weapons and equipment to Israel. Or just people in general who don't like the way the president is running the, running the country. They're not necessarily saying, for the most part, that they're going to vote Republican. Some are. But others are saying they're just going to stay home in November. In this case, okay, what we're talking about here, he's trying, uh, the president and the secretary of state are trying to kiss up to Muslim voters in key districts. Again, especially in Michigan, encourage them to vote Democrat in November. Never mind. Never mind that a two-state solution is a reward for the Hamas massacre and an existential threat to the state of Israel. Let's put that on the side. Let's get some votes. That's really what it comes down to, folks. It's, it's really that simple, as sick as that might be. Uh, people's lives are in the hands of the politicians who are making decisions based on what's good for them politically. And it happens all the time, whether in this country or in the United States or anywhere else in the world, people make decisions based on what is good for them politically at the expense of the common folk, at the expense of uh, the soldiers and the IDF who are fighting and uh, at the expense of the citizens of the state of Israel who would be under daily rocket and mortar fire, including those who live in the greater Tel Aviv area, including the international airport in Lod, Ben-Gurion Airport. It would be a daily, daily existential threat to the state of Israel if we were to go back down the path and create a so-called, I won't even say the word, I'll say a PA state. And that is what the United States wants because it wants, uh, the Biden administration wants votes when they count. So that's where we are, folks. Um, other news, Ynet and others reported that Ismail Hania, who is the head of the political bureau of Hamas, the billionaire who, from what I understand, resides in Qatar and is running around the Middle East trying to draw support in Turkey and in other countries. While this uh, terrorist is running around trying to get a deal done which would end Israel's battle against his organization, Israel's News 13 reported that Members of his family are receiving life-saving medical treatment at Soroka Hospital in Beersheba. I kid you not. The head of Hamas, their so-called political bureau, his family members are being treated in Israel. They realize, they realize Israel is their best chance when it comes to medical care, better than anywhere else in the Middle East. That's for sure. So several of Hania's sisters are Israeli citizens, in fact, through marriage to Bedouins, and they live in Tel Sheva in the Negev Desert. In recent days, one of Hania's nieces gave birth to a baby in Soroka Hospital, and since the baby was premature, there was a risk there, and the baby required extra hospitalization in the neonatal intensive care unit again, according to Ynet. So the head of, or one of the heads of Hamas, his family members are citizens of the state of Israel, are receiving medical treatment in our hospitals, and yet essentially want to destroy that very state. They want to bite the hand that feeds them. National Security Minister Itabar Ben Gvir said that Ismail Hania's relatives are not only supposed to receive, are not only not supposed to receive medical treatment in a hospital in Israel, they're supposed to be deported from the country, according to Ma'ariv, quoting him. 
And I would agree with that statement. Would any country treat family members of an enemy? An enemy who recently, just four months ago, carried out a massacre. And you can argue they're citizens of the state of Israel. But these people are not loyal to the state of Israel. They took advantage of a loophole, knowing that life in Israel is, of course, better than any other country in the Arab world, as I said a minute ago, uh, in terms of their medical care. But we're at war, folks. And you know what they say about being kind to the cruel. And I don't think anything else has to be, any more needs to be said. But that's what, in fact, Israel is doing. I don't understand this. I don't understand the humanitarian aid to Gaza. Um, I'm just not getting some of the policies which are coming from way up above. Whether it's the government, whether it's the head of uh, the military, whomever it is, the uh, security services, the Shin Bet, the Mossad, whomever it is, I don't understand some of these policies. Uh, at the same time, uh, ministers from the right-wing coalition and activists on Monday deplored, this is Times of Israel, by the way, deplored what happened uh, just several days ago. The Israeli military is being taken to, to task for carrying out a drill simulation. Okay, it was a, in a, uh, some sort of training drill simulating a kidnapping attack carried out by Israelis who live in Judea and Samaria. I kid you not. The army was practicing that scenario. A kidnapping scenario, which the IDF said is part of a large-scale exercise in Judea and Samaria, um, which was one of more than 100 scenarios that were drilled. And this, they admit, was an extreme scenario, something that I don't think has ever happened before, Jews kidnapping Arabs. And there, this is what the IDF, unfortunately, the Central Command decided was worth their time. Drilling a scenario in the middle of a war against our enemy where everything is reversed and a Jew kidnaps an Arab. And as we have over 100 hostages, Jewish hostages, Israelis in Gaza, for some reason the Central Command decided that they were going to practice the opposite scenario. Finance Minister Batalar Smotrich said whomever is responsible for this cannot continue in his role and be entrusted with looking after the lives and the safety of Jews in Judea and Samaria. Several mayors from Judea and Samaria also issued a statement calling for the dismissal of the officer that drew up the drill and singled out the IDF Central Command, which oversees military operations throughout Judea and Samaria. And apparently they have regularly been criticized by the coalition for some of their, some of their tactics, some of their training maneuvers, for some of their policies. Again, let me just make this make sure you understand this. We're in the middle of a war. Someone at the Central Command thought it was a good idea and a good use of the IDF's time to practice something that has never happened before, Jews kidnapping Arabs. Specifically, so-called, what they call settlers, which is a derogatory term when referring to the residents of Judea and Samaria. Somehow, dealing with 6,000 terrorist attacks against Jews in 2023, 6,000 at least, reported terrorist attacks in Judea and Samaria. Somehow that became secondary, secondary, and instead, this is what they are working on. And I agree that someone needs to be fired over this. This is a total embarrassment. 
especially in the middle of a war, reenacting or enacting or acting out, whatever you want to call it, that scenario, heads should roll for this. Somebody should be fired for this. And we will see what happens. Moving on here, uh, just when it seems that the entire world is against the state of Israel, and a lot of the world is against Israel, a lot of European Union countries, certainly Middle Eastern countries, and even west of that, um, we have some good news here. Javier Millet, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, he is the new uh, president of Argentina. And guess what? He's here. He's in town. He's in Israel. He arrived yesterday, yesterday evening. Israeli President Isaac Herzog met at his residence in Jerusalem with his Argentinian counterpart, Javier Millet, who has vowed to move his country's embassy to the capital and designate Hamas a terrorist group. This here reported by JNS. In a private meeting ahead of a public one, Herzog presented Millet with a Hebrew Bible in appreciation of his firm support for the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Millet said, I have been committed since day one to making sure that my first diplomatic visit as president would be to the state of Israel. I am here. I am keeping my promise now. Millet described his visit as a concrete testimony to the commitment we've had. From the very first day of the terrorist attack by Hamas on October the 7th, he said that Argentina had not only condemned the terrorist actions by Hamas, but also expressed our solidarity with the state of Israel and have continued to support Israel's right to legitimate self-defense in this context. So folks, it's good to have friends. It's good to have friends, even when the world feels like, when it feels like the whole world is against us. We do have some friends. And welcome to the president of Argentina. And thank you, President Millet. And thank you for your support. Um, there's one other uh, news item, which perhaps we could have left off, uh, led off with, rather. Uh, we could talk about the details of a uh, Hamas truce, a truce with Hamas, something that they would, in fact, accept. But since it calls for the war to end, with Hamas intact, I'm not really even going to go there. I'll just say it's a, a terrible deal, which includes the release, I think, of 500 terrorists who are serving life sentences as a result of their murderous ways. I say instead of this deal, and I don't know how far Israel is in terms, I mean, there's denial, we're not going to accept such a thing. I don't know where Israel is, but I say do something else. I say cut off all humanitarian aid to Gaza. Let the people there who are who are not our friends, okay? We know we saw how many of the images of how many civilians took part in the October 7th massacre. But those who want to go back to their lives, let them overthrow their leaders, okay? And let them be the ones to be encouraged to free the hostages. Until then, no deal. No deal which leaves Hamas intact. The three things must happen, which our prime minister has said over and over again, the downfall of Hamas, the return to Israel of the hostages, and making sure that Aza, Gaza is no longer a threat to the state of Israel. All those three things have to happen, and let's hold our leadership to it. Do not accept any cockamamie deals which will not fulfill one of those three goals. 
or all of those three goals, all of those three goals must be fulfilled. Not one, not two, not three, meaning not number one, two, or three, but all three must be fulfilled in order for this war to end. As long as it takes, folks, as long as it takes and as painful as it is, and we've talked about tactics before, and I'm not a military man in terms of what I think I, the IDF should be doing, but at least let's start. And by the way, I just saw images now of people camped out and sleeping Jews, sleeping in tents at Kerem Shalom, protesters. We talked about this on the show last week. We had a guest on to discuss the protest movement against humanitarian aid to Gaza, which ends up in the hands of Hamas. But no deal with Hamas. Cut them off. Eventually, they'll have to come above ground. There will not be air in those tunnels. The people need to rebel against their leaders, and we have to help them. We have to make it happen, folks. That is the, I think I've been saying that for long before the October 7th massacre. We have to create change in Aza, and it all starts with dethroning Hamas. I say let it happen from within. Okay? And sooner rather than later. And that's going to do it for today, February the 7th. The four-month date since the beginning of the Hamas massacre and the war. It is also the 20th of Shvat, 5784. Almost Rosh Chodesh, Adar Aleph. Purim this year will be in Adar Bet. So there's still another six weeks or so till Purim. But we are approaching Adar Aleph. You're supposed to be happy. And as hard as it is, we we must be happy. It is a commandment to be happy, a mitzvah to be happy in the month of Adar. In this case, two months of Adar. We get a bonus month of happiness. And please, God, let it be happy. Let's defeat Hamas and bring back and bring, bring, back, bring back the men, women, and children being held in, in Aza. Let's force Hamas to release them. That should be the message. Anyway, shout out to Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Benjamin Bresky, Bresky Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Get in touch with me during the week by email, josh at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Those are the ways you can reach me. Coming to you on this beautiful Wednesday from Jerusalem, eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Everyone out there, be safe. Only good things. Keep praying for our soldiers. Pray for the welfare and the well-being of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everyone.